0: Psalms chapter 75, Psalms chapter 75, we have two verses of scripture, amen, verse 6 and verse 7, amen, it says, for promotion, everyone say, I like promotion. For promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. But God is the judge. In other words, he decides who gets promoted. But God is the judge. He putteth down one and he setteth up another. God putteth down some and he sets up another. But God is the judge of promotion. So I want to speak on this thought, promotion before position. Amen. Or better yet, preparation before position. Father, we come before you. We thank you for allowing us to be in your house. We thank you for all our wonderful guests that are here today, God. We pray that you would bless There are people here today that are called by your name. We thank you for those that are online today watching, Father. I pray that you would bless them in a special way, Lord. Let your word, Lord, give us understanding. Let it build us, let it equip us. Let it do what you send it forth to do. It will not return, void. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, praising the name of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. So better yet, I believe we could say there,
1: there is always
0: preparation before position. Hallelujah. Amen. There today, amen. I'm not sure. I haven't really been keeping track. Probably after I go home, I'll look at ESPN and see all the highlights. Amen. But only one Team Only one group of individuals, only one co- coach, only one organization is going to stand in the position of Super Bowl champions. Amen. But two teams, two coaches, two organizations have put a lot of preparation into winning this earthly prize. They have put in the preparation because they both suppose and believe that they are going to host that Lombardi Trophy. Amen. And I want to talk to that. Okay, so that's all about Super Bowl. I hope you're happy now. Amen. But there is preparation before position in the kingdom of God. Amen. As we examine the scripture that we read here, Amen, that promotion doesn't come from anywhere here on this earth. When it comes to God, promotion doesn't come from that. You might say, well, you know, this person was instrumental or that person or my mother and father or my grandfather. Yes, they may have influenced us, but they were not the reason for promotion. Because God is the judge and he puts down and he sets up people and it is said amen that the uh, how many of you like to watch the Olympics amen I I gotta uh, confess I don't like watching all of them some of them are frankly boring but there are some races or some uh you know uh, places that I believe uh, that I'm interested in there's some uh, competitions I should say that that catch my attention that are interesting to me that I will follow, amen. And of course, I'm always cheering on the USA, you know, to win in whatever category it is. But it is said that these Olympic athletes train several hours a day, six days a week with only one day to rest, one day to rest. Could you imagine that, amen. They're doing this because they want to win a position on the Olympic team. And they do all this training, I mean, all these days and hours of training with no guarantee that they're even gonna make the Olympic team. Could you imagine that? But yet they are preparing, preparing, and preparing to stand in a position on that team. It requires huge amounts of determination and years of training. How many times I've heard the stories of those that stand on the pedestal with a bronze, silver, or gold medal, and they tell of the journey and the pains and the and the and the, the hurdles they had to jump over, amen, and everything, amen, that they had to go through, amen, to stay on track. Hours and hours of training and determination. But not only that, they also have to meet requirements of the Olympic Charter and the International Federation governing body. They have to meet those requirements. I see that they're up against insurmountable odds to prepare for a position that they may never get granted to them. But yet, nevertheless, the hours, amen, the training, the determination, the sacrifices are worth it all to them if they could just get to that position, amen, and they do it for, uh, you know, I mean, those medals might be worth some money, I don't know, maybe if they got in hard times and had a on their gold medal, silver medal, whatever it is—I'm sure they may get some money, but compared, Amen, to the overall scheme and value of things, I'm sure it's—it's it's not that much. And they do this for earthly recognition. They do it for an earthly prize, for earthly allocations, claps, and the pats on the back, and their name on a plaque somewhere saying, "Yeah, he won." the silver at this event, or he won the gold, or she won the bronze at this event. All for that purpose. They put everything into it. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24 and 25 gives us some uh, vision into this as Paul compares amen, the Roman-Grecian events amen, to the Christian's journey and, 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 and determination. And he says, Know ye not that they which run in a race all run. In other words, nobody enters that race and just sits there and says, You know what, I don't think I'm going to run today. Or I think I'm just going to skip today. Or I'm going to just mumble my way through the finish line. He says, No, they all enter the race and they all are determined to run. But one receives the prize. He says, so run that you may obtain. Now he's switching gears there. He said, listen to me, you Christian, you believers. Hallelujah. So run that you may obtain. Run like they do in this Christian walk so that you can reach the goal that you have. He says this. He says, he says, so run that you may obtain. And every man that striveth, for the mastery is temperate in all things. He disciplines himself. He controls himself. He controls his pulses and his thought and his body and everything he does because he has a goal. He is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, Paul says. But we, everyone say me, but we do it for an incorruptible crown. We do it, amen, for a weightier spiritual reason. That is why we do what we do. That is why we have determination, amen, and and we're willing, amen, to do what it takes, amen, to get where God wants us to go. It's for an incorruptible crown. In other words, you cannot put value on it, hallelujah. You can't compare it to any Earthly thing, it is. It is in, incorruptible. It is. It is supernatural. It is heavenly. But as we look at the natural, as Paul was saying here today, as we look at the spiritual things of thing that we see here, I see one thing is constant. One thing is comparable. One thing is the same, and that is preparation. Everyone say preparation. Everything takes preparation. Without it, there cannot be a position. Preparation is the action or the process. Did you hear me? I just want the position, Pastor. I just want the promise. I want to see angels fluttering. I want to see anointing dripping from me. I want to see souls saved. The dead rise from the dead. Hallelujah. I want to see it all. But we don't want the process. I don't want the action and the process that it takes. Preparation is the action or process of making myself ready or being made by some outward thing to be used. Or even considered. Could you imagine doing all those six days a week, a few hours a day, amen? Just to be considered. Without a guarantee, just to be considered. But everyone is doing the preparation because they have winning on their mind. How many people hearing me today have winning on my mind? Come on, somebody, because if the devil can defeat us in our mind, he's going to defeat us in our heart, and it's going to show in our lives. They don't do all those things they do because they expect to be a loser. Come on, I'm going to at least win a bronze medal, they're telling themselves. It's the preparation, and Jesus, amen, is building something. He is the master architect. Somebody had to design that track field for the track athletes to run, hallelujah. Somebody had to design that basketball court so the basketball teams can compete, and and so on and so on. Well, I'm here to tell you, Jesus is the architect, amen, of the field, of the track, of the destination that you and I as believers are running the race on. He designed it for a reason and a purpose. Now we need to understand that there should not be any confusion in this, in this race, hallelujah. There should not be no confusion in our, in our preparation for what God wants us to do because the Bible said God is not the author of confusion. Right? Confusion is an uncertainty. Well, I'm uncertain, pastor. Well, ask God for clarity because it's not his will that we have uncertainty. God wants you to be certain. He wants you to have faith. Amen. And he wants you to have clarity. Hallelujah. He says, I'm not the author of confusion. But Hebrews chapter 12 verse, 12, verse 2 says that Jesus is the author of finisher of our faith. I'm not the author of confusion, but I want to tell you one thing. I'm the author of. I'm the author and finisher of your faith. Brother and sister. Whoever's hearing me today. I am that author. And I am that finisher. In other words. He wrote the script of your life. He wrote the journey that you are in. Every dip. Every mountain. Every value. Every turn. Every pothole. Every trap. He wrote the script. Do you believe that today? He wrote the script of your life and he says, if you will allow me, hallelujah, I'm gonna bring it to perfection. I'm gonna bring you to maturity, hallelujah. If you will just let me do it, if you will just run the course, no matter what the obstacle, I'm gonna bring you to maturity and perfection. That's what he's saying here today. Amen. How many of you want him to bring it to perfection. If every one of you listening to me had a blueprint, a blueprint is the schematic of something that is yet to be built. It is the schematic of something of how it runs. It is, it is the details of how everything functions to make it work. Jesus has your blueprints on his desk. Huh? Sister Anisha, Jesus has his blueprints. Your blueprints right in front of him. Yeah. Brother Gabriel, he has your blueprints right in front of him. This is is what I have for Sister Miley's life right here. Here's here's the blueprints. He has it in front of him. He's the author and finisher of your faith. And he's watching us. He's watching us. And it Seem so glorious and and, and well, well advised and well expected should we be in the great things that God has for us. But that is not the problem, hallelujah. The problems are the actions, the problems are the state, the steps that we have to achieve. Amen. For God's particular place and position that he has for us. It's those steps, it's those actions, it's that process that hurts. Huh? We come to the house of God. People might be listening to me online, amen. And though we are smiling, though we look like we have it all together, there is hurt inside of us. We come to the house of God, hurting, hallelujah, not because of who we serve, hallelujah, but because of the process, hallelujah, because of the preparation process that is going on in our lives to get us to the position God has for us, amen, it's those things that are are not so good, they're not so desirable, pastor, if God could just take those things out of my life, I'll be all right, no you wouldn't, you would be a weak, spineless, skinny, muscled Christian. Huh? You wouldn't be built. he's trying to build us up, people of God. He's trying to build us up for a reason, hallelujah. You see, but there is no position without preparation. We want to do things for God. We want to be in the thick of what God wants to do. We want to see great and mighty things and results for us and our families, hallelujah. But there is preparation before position. It's bad enough that we are born with this fallen Adamic nature that we inherited from our fallen First man and woman on this earth that was created by God, it's bad enough that we inherited that fallen nature. But in life and all that we go through and all our frailty and our sinful nature, we come and we bring our baggage to God. Here I am with this broken, fallen nature, God, and I bring my, my bag, my baggage to God. Huh? Is my baggage God? Have you ever heard that saying, oh man, don't so and so or don't her or him because they got a lot of baggage? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. I don't act all innocent. We, but God, He wants us to bring our baggage to Him. I said, He wants us to bring our baggage to him. Hallelujah. That's why I said, cast all your cares upon me. Hallelujah. Amen. Come boldly before my throne that you will find help and grace in time of need. I want your baggage. Turn to your neighbor and tell him he wants your baggage and be nice. See, there is no position without preparation. I need you to understand this. Second Timothy twenty twenty one says that if we let God purge us or rid us of things that are holding us back, that He will prepare you for every good work. You see, because God is in the transformation business, God is in the restoration business. Hallelujah. Amen. He likes to take things that nobody wants. He wants to take things that have little dents and, and, little, and, and little things, amen, that aren't, aren't good, amen, to the eye or little problems here and there, little hiccups, hangups. Bring me those things that are, are dented, faded, that nobody wants. Amen. Because he, he, he wants to restore those things, he wants to change those things. Amen. He doesn't want somebody coming that says, you know what, I got it all together. Here I am, Lord. You're, you're blessed to have me in your kingdom. Huh? You're blessed to have me, God. No, he wants somebody that says, Lord, I know I have baggage. Lord, I know I need fixing, God. Lord, I know I'm not where I, I need to be, God. But you know, I know where I want to be in you, hallelujah. Lord, I'm just giving myself to you, God. Whatever you have to do to make this thing, to restore this thing, to make me brand new, do it, Lord. He wants those people, hallelujah. He wants to transform. You see what's happening? Amen. Like Paul was talking about, about the games, same thing in our games today. Amen. My son, he's a coach, amen, an assistant coach and a coach. And when those young boys and young ladies come, they're all come all, they come all rough, they come all with rough edges and uncoordinated and no knowledge. And that coach is looking at them. He says, you know what? With a little bit of work, and I could get I can get them into shape. Amen. With a little bit of work, I can transform this, these people into a winning team. And that's what God is looking at when he calls you, amen. He says, uh, with a little bit of work, if they would just trust the process, uh, if they would just trust me, hallelujah, in my preparation process, uh, they're going to be ready for their position, hallelujah. And let me tell you something, all that you have to go through, all that these Olympians have to go through, all that we have to go through in our preparation process, it's going to be worth it all. It'll be worth it all when you see what God was trying to do all the time. Hallelujah. And I believe God is telling somebody here today what we see in First Corinthians 2 9. He says, Your eyes, your ears, amen, your heart hasn't even begun to understand, hallelujah, or comprehend what I prepared for you, brother. What I have prepared for you, sister, hallelujah. You're gonna realize that it was worth it all. It is worth it all when you see what I have prepared for you. Some of you don't feel like you're there, amen. You don't feel that special because of what we go through. You don't feel like it's all going in the right direction or I on the shining thing, amen uh, that God has. Hallelujah. It's because you don't know what God is doing. You don't see what God is doing until he reveals it. Amen. When they came, I don't know how many years they have this thing, they call it the reveal party. huh? You get pregnant, have a kid with your, your husband, your wife, and then they have a gender reveal. You see, everybody's, I don't know, sometimes they use paintballs to shoot the color out or balloons or confetti or all these things. And they they call it a no. They call it a gender reveal, right? A reveal party, an unveiling party. But God has an unveiling party for you, brothers and sisters. Amen. There's a day where He's going to unveil and He's going to He's going to reveal. Hallelujah! What He has had for you all along. He's going to reveal that position. Amen. That He has brought you into the kingdom for such. A time as this, but you got to trust his preparation. Your biggest battle, my biggest battle as a pastor is going to be trusting God in the process. Trusting God in the process, hallelujah, where you just yield control to God. You just take your map that you have of your own life that you drew on your own. You just crumble it up and throw it away and say, Jesus, you be my GPS. Jesus, you guide me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, throw away your map. Psalms 127.1 and 1 Peter 2.5 says that unless the Lord build the house, we labor in vain, hallelujah. We will not have success. We will not have the right result if we are intent in building it ourselves. Come on somebody, hallelujah. Well, I want to I want to make my own course, hallelujah. No. Except the Lord build the house. Amen. Some people try to build and save money, so to speak. Some people, they try to do it. I see it all the time. They try to save money, skim, build something. Somebody finds out. The city gets wind of it. They send what they call a code inspector. He looks at it. He says, tear it down. It's not up to code. It's not up to the blueprint, hallelujah. Tear it down and do it again. And we end up spending more money than we should have because we did not do it according to the plans. And God is saying, if you will just trust me, amen, I got the right plans. I got the right building codes. Let me build your house or you're doing it in vain. It's not up to code, God says. Do it my way. You know something? The story of Joseph gives us a perfect example of preparation before position. This guy, he was born as one of the youngest in his family. And the Bible indicates that he was his father's favorite. His father was was so... uh, Favored towards him that he made him a special coat, amen. That people call the coat of many colors. I remember as a young kid in Sunday school, we're learning about J- Joseph, and we'd get our color crayons out blue, green, yellow. We'd be coloring Joseph's tunic the coat of many colors. Hallelujah! We see it in Genesis 37 3. That Joseph was his father's favorite. He was a Hebrew child of God. Born into a godly family, hallelujah. A man who feared God and followed the ways of the Lord. And he was his father's favorite, hallelujah. Amen. I know we say this all the time and I say this in parenting classes. Don't ever pick a favorite. Don't ever let your kids know that one of them is the favorite because you will damage the rest of them. And I know that God doesn't have a favorite. But let me tell you something. He makes all of us feel like we're his favorite. Come on, somebody. He makes us all feel like we are his favorite. Hallelujah. And that's how Joseph found. Wasn't it Hebrews twelve two that says, amen, that what? For the joy that was set before Christ, talking about his crucifixion on the cross, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Why? Because you and I, his favorite. He's seen it in the spam from the beginning to the end. He's seen us all before him. And he said, Yes, for them I'm going to endure this cross. Because every one of us were his favorite. Everyone say he's I'm his favorite. Come on, don't get mad, neighbor. We're all his favorite. And we see in Genesis 37.5 that Joseph had a dream and his dream or his promise did not include all the details in God's preparation for his position. God gave him a nice dream but he never told him that there was going to be a pit and a prison in his life. There was a preparation process, hallelujah. But he gave him a dream. He gave you a promise, brother and sister. Friend of mine, he gave you a promise. He gave you a dream, hallelujah. But he doesn't tell you about the pit and the prison. And we see as we go on, Genesis 37, 23. His preparation process begins, hallelujah. His preparation process, we see it clear. It begins, hallelujah. And we see what? He is stripped of his coat of many colors. They took his coat, they ripped it up, Took it away. Oh, my identity that let me feel like I was daddy's favorite is taken from me. Hallelujah. Because that's what the enemy tries to do in the preparation process. The things that come away will try to strip away that in us of the belief that God loves me, hallelujah, that God really has a purpose and a position for me. He will try to strip away that identity from you. Because the preparation is not easy, but it begins with the stripping of his coat of many colors. And then the process continues. Genesis 37, 28. We see that his brothers put him in a pit and sold him as a slave. They put him in a pit. Wait, God, what was this? What about the dream that I had, God? What about the position that I have? When my brothers were bowing before me. My mother and father were bowing before me. What about that position? This pit doesn't look like that, God. But God hides the details of the preparation. But he knows the result. He knows the position that he's trying to get him to. And he sold him as a slave by his own brothers. Sometimes it's our own family members that hurt us. In a spiritual sense, sometimes it's our own brothers and sisters in the Lord that hurt us. Man, that's a hard test, Pastor. And he was stripped. And then we see in Genesis 39, 20, he was falsely accused. But Potiphar, who was the captain of Pharaoh's army, he was falsely accused by this woman of assaulting her. And the truth was that she wanted Joseph. She wanted an intimate relationship with him. But Joseph was not going to have none of it, hallelujah. Joseph said, you know what, I'm not going to be unfaithful to God, hallelujah. I'm not going to defile my relationship with God. And the Bible says he ran, hallelujah. And she grabbed his tunic and, she, and he was running so hard, he just shook it off and kept running. And she had a piece of his clothing and she was able to accuse him of assaulting her and he was put in prison for his faithfulness. His faithfulness was now testing him in the preparation. His faithfulness to God. Am I gonna be faithful to God? And we can take it a little bit farther. Am I gonna be faithful to my husband? Am not going to be faithful to my wife, hallelujah, when my commitment is tested, hallelujah. Amen. It's going to be tested, brother and sister, hallelujah. I don't care how much you pray and you fast and read your word, your flesh is flesh and the devil knows your flesh is flesh and he's going to test your faithfulness in the spirit and in your relationships. He's going to trust it. And he was thrown in prison. God, wait a minute, prison? And it's not like the prison we have now where it's a padded bed and three meals and air conditioning and recreation time in the wreck yard. Oh no, it was a dirty, dirt floored, dark place. Could you imagine what he was feeling like? Wait a minute. This is, how is this going to get me to my position? You see, the key that we need to understand is that he's seen what was happening, but he could not see the plans of God. He couldn't see the plan of God. You see, but he didn't realize that in God's plan, the pit and the prison were preparing him for the palace. Yo! pit and your prison is preparing you for the position that God has for you. It was preparing him for the palace. The palace in that time amen emphasized and it was equal or we take it to understand it was the royal residence. Royalty lived in palaces. So I liken it to our journey here. The palace is the kingdom of God. It's God's house. It's where God rules supreme, hallelujah. And God is preparing you for your position in his kingdom, hallelujah. You got to accept that people of God, hallelujah. We see in Genesis 41, 39 through 41, It tells us after Joseph passed all these trials, he passed all these tests, he went through the process of all these accusations and places, hallelujah, that God allowed him to ascend into his rightful position, his eventful position. He found himself In Pharaoh's court as the second only in the whole land of Egypt second to only Pharaoh himself what are you saying pastor you don't realize brother and sister I know your focus is on the process it's on the pit and the prison, the pain, the hurts and all the dark nights and the tears spent crying at your bedside or by yourself in the car where nobody can see your crying. But if you could only see the position that God has for you. Hallelujah. He showed him his eventful position doesn't make sense, Pastor. Isaiah said in the 55th chapter, in one of those verses, he lets us understand, hallelujah. Somebody needs to hear this. Your thoughts are not God's thoughts. Your plan is nowhere near God's plan. He's trying to say, you got to understand this because if you understand this, your frustration, hallelujah, is going to be less than when you understand, you know, I'm going to stop trying to figure this thing out. I need to just trust God, hallelujah. I got to trust God that he's preparing me for something greater, hallelujah. You see, I would be worrying, hallelujah, if there was not much chaos in my life, hallelujah, I would be worrying, hallelujah. But if there's something happening in your life, the devil knows that something special is about to happen. In those times when the Lord talked about open doors, he says, Satan lieth at the door. He doesn't know what God's going to reveal, but he knows God's opened a door to you. And we see then, finally, in Genesis chapter 45, verse 7 through 8, God reveals the purpose for Joseph's journey. God reveals the purpose for the pit and the prison. Hallelujah. He said, I'll put you in this position not to be Pharaoh's second in command, not to eventually see your father, your, your parents and your brothers bow before you because they came to Egypt There was a famine in the land. They were starving to death, and they heard that there was a man that was in charge of the grain, who was Joseph, who God had revealed wisdom and knowledge to him to tell the king to begin setting aside wheat, amen, for year by year because a famine was coming. So they came hungry. They were in need. They did not recognize Joseph, and the Bible says they seen his authority position and they bowed before him, just like. the dream said. And God told him, he says, your journey is for this purpose to preserve their future and to save the lives of his family through a great deliverance. Joseph didn't know it but all he was going through was gonna eventually help him save his family. Save those same brothers that were throwing him in a pit to preserve the generation of his family lineage, hallelujah. Was all at stake and God was putting them into a position to preserve their future and to save their lives. I don't know how many times I tell brothers, brethren, I should say, that are struggling I said, brother, there's more at stake than your problem. There's more at stake than you just wanting to give up and give into the flesh. You've got family that are depending upon you. You've got loved ones and little ones that are depending upon you. You've got friends that see your conversion and they are looking up to you. Hallelujah. There is much more at stake than you think, brother and sister. Hallelujah. And I believe preparation even includes your experiences before you came to God and were baptized in Jesus' name. Oh, pastor, no, that's all the devil's work there. You think the devil's more powerful than God? Yeah, sometimes we even bring things upon ourselves, but the Bible says he will turn everything for the good. He will turn everything for the good, hallelujah. How many times do we see in the word of God where God says, I'm going to take those things, I'm going to send them back to your enemies and I'm going to drop them on your enemies' hands. I'm going to turn it on your enemy's head. Some of you need to stop praying those prayers. When you're going through battles and the enemy comes against you, you say, you know what? I stand against you in the name of Jesus. I cast you out, spirit. Amen to the sea of forgetfulness. I command every curse that you set in my way to fall back on your head. You're in the Bible. Do it. But our experience even whether good or bad, before a conversion, I believe are part of God's preparation. Because there are some bad things, there are some things that we want to forget. And I won't go there, but you know what I'm talking about. You see, because Joseph's experience, they in the in Egypt and in the palace. Egypt is a typology of what? The world. It is, it is, it signifies or symbolizes the world God called his people out of Egypt. We are saved out of Egypt. And we see his experiences in Egypt and in the palace. The pit, the prison, Potiphar's wife in the palace. Huh? Huh? So God is in control. And Romans 9.23 tells us, let us understand something, brothers and sisters. God who is Alpha and Omega. God who, who, who works by the end to the beginning. In other words, He sees your life and He goes to the beginning and He begins to bring it to the end, to the finisher of our faith the author, and the finisher. He begins to to do this. The end from the beginning. And the Bible says here in Romans 9.23 that he has already beforehand prepared you unto his glory. In other words, if we follow God's preparation, he already sees the glory that you already have in the end. And he has already prepared it where you are right now. He has prepared you aforehand. Hallelujah. And let me bring this to an end here. Praise him. You can begin to get ready here. This is why the Bible says, and I used to bump my head when I used to hear the, the apostles and the disciples, the people in the Word of God. They would talk with this language. And this is why the Bible says that we, uh, Paul said in Romans 5, 3, that we glory in tribulation. We glory in adversity and trials, in other words. Because our tribulation, our your adversity, your trials, your process, your preparation, is working things of God in your life. It says that work is patience and goes on and on, but it's working things in your life. Stand with me right now. So our not so fun process, our hurtful process, our challenging process. The Lord's saying you should glory in them. Because it proves that I am doing, I am working in your Stop giving credit to the devil. Oh, the devil this. The devil's always on my back. The devil popped my tire. The devil this. He says, your tribulation is working for you. You might think that the devil hired your tribulation. But God says, no, your tribulation works for me. It's working something in you. Maybe it's adding something that you don't have that I see that you need and your position that I have for you. Maybe it's taking something out that I see that's just going to hinder you along the way. But you got to have faith that preparation comes before position. How many are willing to trust God's preparation? How many are willing to trust God's process? Now, I know I said a mouthful of things. But you need to just understand that God is a God who prepares us for success. Friend of mine, if you haven't given your life to God, you might say, you know, there are people that say, you know what? I I God allowed me to go through this and all this happened in my life. Why should I go to why should I go to church? Why should I give my life to God? Because it's pushing you towards God where you are, where we are today. It's pushing us towards God. Hallelujah. It's pushing us towards, well, maybe there is a plan for my life. Hallelujah. Maybe God really has something for me to be able to change the course of my family, to be able to change the course of my marriage, uh, of whatever it is. But you have to know that God has a plan For your life. God has a preparation for your life. God has a blueprint for your life. This is, if you get, if you didn't get anything, get this. God has a blueprint for your life. And it may have a pit and a prison and obstacles, hurts and pain. But God knows this is the only way I'm going to get you to the position that I have for you. The greatness of it the glory that it's going to bring to me. The impact it's going to have like Joseph. He was able to secure his future and the future of his family. Not only his family, but could you imagine the thousands, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that would have perished if it was not for Joseph getting instruction from God to put that grain away for the You don't know how many people God is trying to put you in position to to reach. And you might never know until we all get to heaven. And you see every one of those faces there, hallelujah. Amen. One of them might turn out to be a pastor, an evangelist, hallelujah. One might turn out to be a great soul winner or whatever it may be, hallelujah. You never know. I wonder who won Who won the prophet Billy Cole to the Lord that was able to pray hundreds of thousands of people through for the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues for the first time, being saved, hallelujah. But one person won him, and he won thousands. Why are you speaking this way, Pastor? Because God's not in the ad addition business right now. I'm going to tell you that respectfully. God's in the multiplication business. It's time, amen, to come is very soon. And we don't have time. He says, I'm going to win. I'm going to win multitudes of people. I'm going to win them because my time is soon. Amen. Brother Robinette has a vision of reaching billions for the kingdom of God. He is preaching all over the world, amen. including a lot of people, amen, in in this vision. I said, Lord, if I can just be a part of that vision, I want to be a part of it. If unity could just be a a part of that billion soul revival, let us be a part of it. But I wonder who he's positioning in this church. You might look like a nobody to some people here, but you are somebody to God. You were important enough for God to want you to hear this word today. I just want to just take time to pray. Hallelujah. As the praise team begins to minister. Amen. If you just want to come and, and just spend time with the Lord, I want you to do that. Come now. Hallelujah. Amen. You need healing in your body. Hallelujah. I told my wife, I said, you know what, honey? I notice they don't have any oil here in this church. I'm going to take my, my oil to church today because somebody might need to be healed today. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he said, Can this thou believe. If you need faith, amen, for your position, if you need faith or a healing, Amen. We're going to do this today in Jesus' name. Get my oil out of my jacket. The inside. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on. If you missed out on the Super Bowl, you might as well get something super from God today. Hallelujah. What do you need from God today? He loves you.